All right, welcome to episode two of the Michael Bourne Identity. Uh, I'm James, and I am very happy to uh, introduce our next guest. Uh, you know her. I, I, she is she is known. She is a known quantity, uh, and I'm extremely I'm extremely happy to welcome Steph Stradley. Steph, how you been? I'm good. How are you doing? And not not too bad. You know, I'm quarantined, so I'm I'm working from home, chilling at home. Uh, but I'm past the point where like I would have had any symptoms. So, you know, good, good, I guess. Yeah, no, that's good. I'd rather. Yeah. That's the way you'd want it, I guess. No, no. I, I mean, it's definitely the way you want it. I had COVID in March. I would not recommend it. Okay. If, so let's, let's you, talk about You that. can use the tools that we have right now, which is quarantining, not being around people when you're sick, wearing masks, avoiding big crowds when you can. And you can get to the point where you can get the vaccines. That's a good thing. Yeah. So, okay. So when did you, when did you have it? When did you know like, oh crap, this isn't, this isn't a normal cold. This isn't the flu. Like what was your experience with it? It was, it was weird because at the time I got it, I I had gone on a trip with a bunch of friends to Colorado at the end of February when everything was supposed to be in China and maybe this is, you know, a few places in New York, but hey, everybody else, y'all don't have to worry, you know, all that. So we were actually being fairly careful and hanging out in the house, all that. Um, But it was a ski resort. And what we found out after the fact was ski resorts were one of the places where transmission happened a lot because people coming in from all over the place. And so I found that out after the fact. So I I came home on a Tuesday. Uh, I started feeling a little weird on a Friday, but I'm like, ah, whatever. And then Saturday morning, I did not feel right at all. But at the time, you know, the symptoms were very limited. It was only like, you know, you can't breathe and you have a high fever. Well, I didn't have a high fever. I had a low fever and just, but a whole bunch of other symptoms. And then as time progressed, those symptoms ended up being the symptoms that we now know. And I couldn't get tested at the time because there weren't enough tests then, but, you know, I've tested since then for the antibodies and I had the the most typical symptom, which is the loss of taste and smell. And for a lot of people, that's all they end up getting. But I gave it to my husband. We were kind of down for the count for about three weeks. So it was not fun. No, that sounds terrible. My my wife got it uh, around the middle of March, but the, her biggest thing was that it settled in her ear. Like she had the the earache from hell, um, oh. and and so like didn't sleep for three days, or if she did, it was like in twenty minute, you know, twenty minute bursts. So it's it's weird how, I mean, there, there's the common symptoms, and and then everyone just has like a different experience with it it's crazy well you know from from what i understand for some people it attacks the thing that is the weakest in them like Mm -hmm. i ended up having the headache that i normally have in the same spot i normally have it like i get migraines every once in a while but i had that but then i the thing that the thing that was the most it would it just it was like turning the volume switch down on you and the fatigue was like nothing I ever experienced. Like I'm, I'm a decent sleeper. I'm not, you know, asthmatic, but I mean, I could have slept all the time and that's kind of dangerous. You're not supposed to be laying around in bed too long because, you know, things can settle in your lungs. But I mean, I had 
the stomach symptoms. I mean, it was not recommended. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And she, she ruptured her eardrum about a year ago. So we think that's why, you know, that that's sort of where it ended up. So it's, it's crazy. Uh, are y'all, are, are y'all doing the, the safe thing where you're just sort of canceling Thanksgiving, um, sticking around the house? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the hardest thing for us is that my mom is in a senior living home in North Texas and she was going to have two family members that she would be able to see in limited capacity. But since somebody tested positive, who's a worker at her facility, the state of Texas and Dallas have rules that if you are a COVID positive facility, there's a lot of rules involved with it, rightfully so. But I mean, she's locked in her room until everybody tests negative again, which just goes to show people need to stop community spread because you can't just warehouse people far away and then not expect that things can come into the building because if there's enough community spread people just get it and then they bring it into facilities and then it spreads like wildfire right that's that that sucks um but this is this is a bummer we don't want to be i hate being a bummer about all this stuff yeah no no let's let's change the subject uh so what the oh, let's let's start here because uh, you've had a blog for a really long time, uh, yes. and I sort of kind of followed. I, I'd read your blog for for a. I've been a reader of yours for a long time, um, and sort of kind of followed a similar pattern uh, that that you did. So you were sort of influential on on me with Astros County. Oh, good. What has what has been your your journey through writing and through? blogging and because I, I know that that you know you've got a law background but you're also and I want to ask about the dumpster fire that is the Texans here in a minute <laughs> um but like what's what kind of how how did things shake out for you well I mean you know I was totally stoked that we got a team back because I never thought we would like I thought LA was going to get the team and LA was supposed to get the team Roger Goodell wanted Los Angeles to have a team and Los Angeles was like no, you know, we're, we're having a nice time and all. Um, so when we got the team, I'm excited about it. I didn't know anybody else who was into it. And then eventually I, I made my way to the Houston Texans message board because before social media, that you know, message boards, and they still are, are a place where you could find more information. And then because I was semi-rational, they asked me to be a moderator. So I was a moderator for a while. Still, I think I technically am. And then um, 2006 happened. There's brand new coaching staff. And then they, they draft Mario Williams and not Reggie Bush and people flip out. And, and I just couldn't find the conversations I wanted to read about. It's like, okay, you have a new coaching staff. What does this mean? Da, da, da. I'm not reading about it. And so at the time, there was a really good Astros blog and fan blog and I'm like I could do this and so they had me send in some stuff and then they said okay fine you're it and I'm like okay and so I I started doing that and then like halfway through the season I got a or not even halfway I got an email from somebody from AOL fan house saying do you want to blog for us also and I'm like I thought it was a joke so I called the guy <laughs> you're the first person who called me 
and I, I think I got the, the bid to be the Texans blogger because at the time, I don't think there were very many Texans bloggers. And I ended up blogging about the team because my sister had a very influential blog. And then she ended up getting leukemia and her blog turned into kind of an inspirational blog to kind of tell people what it's like to go through a stem cell transplant. Oh, and geez. so, yeah, which was a pretty hard time. Like that was around 2005, 2006, all that era. And so, you know, it was a way for me to kind of like when I, she encouraged me to blog about stuff. And, and at first I was like, ah, oh, this is just, you know, this is garbage. This doesn't do things. I wanted to do it anonymously, frankly, because I was a little unnerved by it, but you know, my view on that sort of thing anyway is I'm, I don't say anything that I wouldn't say to somebody's face because I think right. it's cowardly to do that. Like I would say anything that I say, I would say to a person's face, even if that person's, you know, 300 pounds or whatever. Right, right, right. But, and then, and then the nice thing about when I worked for Fan House is that was a, a collection of really good writers in every different sport. I learned a lot from it. And the best thing that I learned about is I, at the time I was looking a lot at what the DC bloggers were doing and they were a little ahead of us. And I thought, you know, I really like how they have a community that, you know, so often sports is, and, and life is about competition and everybody competing against each other. But it, in reality, the, the best way to just kind of interpersonally do things is just saying, hey, look, let's all work together. Let's have a good community. And it works better for everyone. And especially in the sports field, the, the desire for good information is nearly infinite, right? And we all do better when there's better information. And so right. if we support and encourage good information, by encouraging the people that are doing it and uplifting that information on social media channels and say, hey, this is something that I read that I found valuable. And it's, you know, because so often we want to, you know, it, it's, I don't know if you saw the, um, there's an SNL sketch with um, where they're going around the table and like, oh, this milk smells bad. You want to smell it and they all are like smelling the bad milk. And I think a lot of times social media is like, oh, here's this bad milk, smell the bad milk. And, and that, that people are seeking negative attention. And, you know, as you know, you get what you encourage. And so if you're encouraging people by giving attention to people that are saying nonsense thing, then you get more nonsense. And if, you know, I just think that you should just encourage good stuff and try to ignore the dumb stuff. Yeah, no, you, the, the whole, I understand why people do it, but you know, the dunking on people with, with quote tweets and I'm guilty of it too. Uh, I'm in a little self-imposed Twitter break um, just because like, I, I, it's, I just find that I'm, I'm too online sometimes and I need yeah. to take a step back. Uh and I, I'm reading, and I was like, I'm going to read a book this week. Like, that's what I'm going to do instead of being on Twitter. And I, I picked a wait, book. Wait, wait, what are you reading? I'm reading Hiding in Plain Sight by Sarah Kenzior. Uh, okay. And 
it's 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 not a feel good book. So it's yeah. Uh, I was gonna say that's not a very escapist book. No, it's it may, somehow I'm I I I managed to plan a, a time out and make things worse, like at the ex, at the exact same time. <laughs> um, and so, but I, I understand why people do it because you want to demonstrate, you know, your own knowledge of a topic or your own sort of moral high ground, if if that's what it is. But at the same point, you're just you're still just amplifying a voice that that probably doesn't need to be amplified. And and so I'm 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 finding it harder and harder to to justify the use of social media uh but but also recognize that I've got a decently large platform and I want to use that to the for the best possible outcome. Um I don't know, it's just a really weird kind of juxtaposition to be in and I don't I don't know how to navigate it. Yeah, I mean I have to say I am of the age that I'm a very, I'm an early adopter. Like I remember the beginning of the internet. Like, in fact, I am the, I have the dumbest take on the early part of the internet. I went to a conference and they were showing us all stuff and they were showing this, the internet. And I'm like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it, it's slow. Why would anyone use this? there's, this is, this is never going to work. And even in the early, early years of the internet, it was, it was horrible. And I mean, I remember, I remember the first time I loaded a program on, on the computer. I mean, my dad did computer stuff. So this stuff comes fairly naturally to me. And so there tends to be kind of the way that people in, interact with the internet depends a lot on where they are as a person, you know, like, you know, and what venues they are used to. Like if you're used to being a trash talk venue, then you do trash talk. And, right. but that, that just can eat on you as a person. And, and so at some point I just realized, hey, look, I have to be the same person I am interpersonally than I am online. And part of that is recognizing that if I'm talking to a group of strangers at a party, right? I'm not going to say just horrible things because <laughs> you don't talk that way to strangers at a party, but people will do it online. Like it amazes me how much more abuse I've seen in the last, let's say five years than I saw like all throughout college or high school, because that just didn't exist. Now our kids see that now. And so my view is I'm going to be the same person. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say something to somebody online that I wouldn't say to their face, um, that people tend to treat you the way that you treat them. So if you interact with people in a respectful way, they tend to do that back. And also recognizing the basic rule of just kind of any online conversation, which is sometimes it's really easy to get sideways with somebody if you're not seeing their face. Right. If, you know, if, if you and you can't see, you know, you can't hear them when you see it in writing. So, and, you know, just, just, you know, golden rule stuff and, and not, and not engaging. Like if somebody is engaging with me in a negative way, I try not to send that energy back in case there's just mixed messages, but really working towards getting kind of, um, I think with just almost anybody, you can find mutual understanding. Right. If they want, if they want to, and that, that's a that's becoming a an, an increasingly bigger if. 
I've tried to approach Twitter like I, I just have to keep reminding myself my my mother-in-law follows me. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, so I need I need to remember I need to remember. And there are times that it's it's later at night uh, and I, I forget and I'll tweet something and I'll think, eh, you know, the next morning, like, oh, that, that probably wasn't the smartest thing to have done. But my, um, my kids follow me and their friends follow me. But I, I think they they think it's cool because mommy knows a lot about sports and their friends are impressed that mom (laughs) so okay so let's i guess have you how do i how do i phrase this have (laughs) have you ever written something that's gotten you in trouble with like someone on the team oh yeah i mean you just outlined your whole philosophy but i'm curious like have have things gone in, in your years of doing this have things gone sideways on on occasion oh yeah um not never really bad it's usually i get a phone call (laughs) and say you know maybe you know maybe this that or the other thing and i'm like i'll respect what you're saying but i'm good with what i said Um, right uh but i would say most of most of what i get is actually pretty positive um I get a lot of like secret people saying, I really like what you're saying. Uh, <laughs> the kindest thing that has ever been said to me is by a player who said, you know, everybody gets it wrong, but you get it the least wrong. Oh, that's nice. Now I, I can say that I do, I have had a couple times where I probably would have, I probably went a lot, little stronger than I probably should have given what I knew at the time. Okay. Um, and, and, and I regret those situations. Um, the biggest thing was not actually something that, um, was with the team. It was when I was with, um, fan house and there was this guy that was in the stands and he was really messed up and being kind of goofy. (laughs) And, um, I said, can I take your picture? So I took his picture and I posted something and I, I probably said something a little snarky and he actually emailed the editors and said, can you take that down? Yeah. Now, we could have gotten sideways with him and said, no, we're not going to do this freedom of speech, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, he was a fan in the stands. You know, I did get his permission, but you know, I don't want to be that way. And right. so I actually, from that experience have, have been, I think I go out of my way to try to be fair because I think that our society, just the way that things are set up right now, makes it hard to be that way. Like, I don't like making fun of anybody. Like, these people have families. Right. You know, like, just kind of trying to be fair about Like, I don't like a lot of the fan, fan in the stand shots and, you know, clowning on them. Right. It just, it gets uncomfortable. Like I, with my writing, I try to criticize actions and not people as human beings. Like right now, this moment in Houston Texans history is really hard on me because I like a lot of the people at the Houston Texans. I think they are trying really hard. Do I like the choices that they've made? No, I do not. Mm-hmm. And in a, particularly in our in our moment, 
because there's so much abuse right now, it's, it's hard to just talk about something without it sounding abusive or just talking about it directly. And then people coming back to you, like, yeah, and these people are blah, 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 blah. Like, I don't want that energy. I don't want that energy. Like right now at this moment, I am trying to tread as gently as I can because people are going through stuff. People right. are going through stuff that I don't know. Um, at, you know, I'm going through stuff. People go through stuff. I don't want to make their lives any worse. Like, yeah, I get, I get that, you know, sometimes maybe stuff that I write might be annoying to people. Well, I don't want to be intentionally annoying to people. Right. <laughs> like it's right now is hard right now. There's so much kind of just casual abuse that saying almost anything is almost perceived as abuse or an yeah. invitation to add to the abuse. Now, I don't need to be telling you this as someone who does Astros blocking. <laughs> so the, the, so I've had Astros County since 2008. And so that encompassed, you know, the sort of the beginning of the decline of, and it was, it was right after hurricane Ike where, you know, when the, the Astros get their home game against the Cubs moved to Milwaukee. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I've got some things to say uh, about yeah. this. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do this, uh, this blog, but you know, even like going through the, the years where they were losing 106, 107, 111 games, uh, it, it, it wasn't as big of a, of a challenge to write about than, than the last maybe year and a half to two years have been. And it, it really kind of started with the Roberto Osuna trade, uh, yeah. which and from, that was, a, that was from a purely baseball standpoint, the trade made sense. But nothing, uh, and you know this, nothing happens in a vacuum, and and there's a reason that it was a, a it was a really good deal for the Astros, and it's not a positive reason. Uh, and then, kind of culminating with, um, you know, the Mike Fire story from last year, that I, I, sort of the same thing where you criticize decisions and not people. Has there been kind of a defining moment in Texans history? Because I think that Roberto Osuna trade that was the beginning of of the end of this chapter of the astros uh by by making that trade is there some sort of defining moment or decision that with in your years of covering the texans where you thought this is kind of a game changer and and it's not a good one yeah i mean i usually try to hold my powder and you know as a lawyer i'm looking for evidence and you know I but if if I think something is really quirky or strange or my spider sense is going off about something then I, I talk about it like 2010 when the rumor was that Kubiak was going to get fired but Rick Smith was going to stay I, I mean, I, I was like, this is the strangest report. Now it turned out Kubiak stayed and Rick Smith stayed. But, you know, if you're looking back at the history of the Texans, the best draft that he had was when he was matched with a more experienced GM. You know, Charlie Casterly, for all his faults, knew some stuff, had experience at some stuff. 
uh, his way of doing things wasn't very good about like working with coaches, but they had a blended approach for that particular draft. And that draft was a good draft. And then they got a learning on the job guy in Rick Smith. And then everything O'Brien on has just been a misery. I mean, that was a horrible choice. <laughs> like I, I and I, when we were talking about the first episode, uh, Roosh Williams was on and I was like, I'm conversational about the Rockets, uh, but I don't follow them as closely as I do the Astros, of course. But, sure. but I even at this point, I can tell like something's not right with the Rockets. And that's kind of where I am with the Texans as well, that I don't follow the Texans terribly closely. Um, I tend to stay off of Twitter. My have a list to kind of help with the links for the morning post and, and Sunday night and Monday morning are just disasters. Cause I got to wade through all the Texans mm. tweets and, and whatnot, but it, it just feels like, like the, the Texans aren't in a, are not in a great place. And if you would have told me a year from a year ago that that right now the Astros would be in a better position than the Rockets or the Texans, I would not have believed you <laughs> uh, at all. So like what, I guess if it, cause I basically am like a third grader when it comes to the NFL, okay. like what, what has happened to the Texans? Let me give you the short version. Okay. Uh, maybe it's not going to be short enough, but okay. So the Kubiak stuff blew up. I mean, and partially because he ended up having his major health issue in the middle of a game, which I remember that. Yeah. It was right across from where I sat. It was just the worst feeling watching that. Um, and then they decided to keep Rick Smith after firing Kubiak. And then uh, th they chose Bill O'Brien. I think Rick Smith wanted somebody else, somebody else that also I didn't want. Um, <laughs> I was going to try to give Bill O'Brien a chance. I actually researched all the New England stuff that I could possibly research to know what to expect. I was not impressed with his position coaches and that's really like when when somebody gets a staff I want to look at the whole staff and mm -hmm. like and really dig in and figure out is this a staff that is going to be able to teach because you have to teach these young guys real quick and his offensive staff was garbage <laughs> his defensive staff was okay um and then but what's a really bad bad tendency is you know if you have, if you're a new offense, like an offensive minded head coach, which he allegedly was, he couldn't put offenses on the field. He never prioritized getting a decent quarterback and they didn't seem to know how. And then, you know, they finally get Deshaun Watson and really that whole staff owes him part of their money. Because, <laughs> you know, Watson looked great when he finally got onto the field his rookie year and messed up his knee. In fact, that happened like the day that he messed up his knee was against Seattle. I was at the brewery with uh, eighth wonder brewery went with a crew of Astros fans from there to game five of the world series. Oh, and I bought a single ticket and sat in the Crawford boxes and had the best time ever. Absolutely. But that game that he had, or the games that he had before he got hurt were so good. Everybody's like, all right, he finally got a quarterback. They're going to have a dynamic offense. 
this is going to be great. And then the next year happened. And what happened is their rosters got worse and worse and they didn't know what players they wanted. And I think the, the general problem with the, the Texans all along is, as you know, a good GM is a difference maker. Mm-hmm. They have never had a good GM. And then they went from having, you know, Rick Smith, who had done some good moves, did some other moves that were not good, to having this GM by committee garbage mm-hmm. after they tried, they had a GM, they fired the GM, they tried to poach a GM from, from New England, that went south. I mean, it was just, oh, well, we're going to have this flat organization GM by committee, but it's really going to be Bill. It was garbage. Everybody knew it was garbage, but, you know, like the emperor had no clothes, you know, no clothes, but nobody can say that. Well, I mean, we were saying it. Right. And then the defense got old and then the defense got bad. No, that pretty much sums it up. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes sense. Um, and so and now-, now they don't have, now they don't have, you know, high picks for next year. We don't, right. we have a ghost ship right now because Easterby, who everybody concludes is not a GM, is ghost shipping us through this season. <laughs> and we're going to wait until January to get a GM and to get a coach. And they're going through, you know, one of those groups that <laughs> looks for coaches and, you know, I hope they get somebody good. Am I, I mean, expecting it? No. Everyone's happier when the Texans do well. I mean, that's that, yes. that's, that's all there is. I mean, yeah. So when the, when the Rockets are bad and the Texans are bad, you know, everyone's pretty miserable uh, for, you know, the entire winter uh, until, until spring training starts. And then generally over the last although, few years, things get better. Although I will say, even with this bad football, I am very appreciative of all the athletes who are trying because we're still not guaranteed that we're going to finish this season. You know, as, as we're recording this right now, they've put the, the whole league on extreme lockdown, which like limits their contact with each other and with other people. And, but we have no guarantees. Right. (laughs) And, and I appreciate them entertaining us during this time even if it is kind of kind of miserable i mean i I appreciate the attempt yeah no no that's a good point and and so since you you so you've got you know a a full-time job and a and the the blogging and a family um i'm in i'm in the same situation i've got a full-time job and the blog and and a family and and the in i guess it was after a couple of months of doing astros county uh, my wife finally sat me down and she was like, you can either do this blog thing or you can have the PlayStation. You cannot have both. <laughs> um, and so if, if there's any success at all to Astros County, it's, it's because of, of her. Um, but th- how do you juggle, like, how do you juggle it all? Well, I mean, the good news with me is because I have my own law firm, I can set my own hours. Okay. And, um, my kids are now old enough that, you know, we just finished my last one's college apps the other day. And I'm kind of sentimental about it, to be honest. Oh, sure. Uh, so like they're self-sufficient, like they don't like, I don't have to jack with them at all. Really. They, they just 
they're they're very I have very cool kids like my kids are the coolest kids I but like I started I started blogging when my oldest was five yeah <laughs> um so it's very it's very weird to see the transition I, I think I've always tried to kind of flow to where I'm needed at the time so when I first started blogging there weren't that many blogs out there and I blogged a lot uh-huh. and I was incentivized to blog. I mean, I had two blogs then. I mean, it was nuts. Um, but there wasn't like, there wasn't any content. And then I started, um, you know, when Twitter came around, like my sister worked at Twitter and she told me, Hey, this is how you do it. And, and this is, I'm giving, I'm giving the benefit to everyone of what she told me, which is when you tweet, give some value to other people from what you've tweeted. Is it entertaining? Is it interesting? Is it a cool picture? Is it something? Right. Are you giving them a benefit? And you have to understand what kind of Twitter you want to do. And my Twitter is generally pretty earnest and nothing that I would be ashamed for my mom, my kids, or my preacher to see. <laughs> right. Not everybody has their own goals and and desires with their Twitter, but that is what mine is. And so, like, you know, f- there was a time during training camp I would tweet stuff out from what's happening at training camp, but then other people started doing that, and then I like I don't need to do that. Yeah. And now, now there's more podcasts, there's more blogs, there's more things, and so I have. I have intentionally limited what I've done and I pick my spots. Now I had been doing, this is a new phenomena and I'm kind of announcing it right now. Hey, um, an exclusive. An exclusive. I mean, I've mentioned it on Twitter. The last couple of weeks, I haven't done game previews and I don't know if I'm going to do game previews for the rest of the season because, you know, the president of the Texans have pretty much said, Hey, you know, January, January comes and we'll get a new GM and coach and hope springs eternal, I guess. (laughs) I mean, what, what am I supposed to like, I don't like to blog unless I have something to say. Well, I mean, the matchup against the Patriots, they're kind of chaos on their team. The Texans are whatever Deshaun Watson can do because their defense sucks. Like how many times can I say their defense sucks? Their defense. (laughs) I mean, I don't, and, and, in some ways, if I even talk about it, it seems mean, like I'm kicking puppies. And as I said earlier, I want to be real gentle right now because I know they're trying really hard, but their roster composition is really poor. It is really hard to win with the roster composition that they have and with the coaching and scheme that they have. And so what how do you analyze that so my my view of things right now and i've said it on twitter is sometimes when there's chaos and things don't make sense it should be like the talking heads song stop making sense like why why am i why should i spend my time making sense of things that aren't making sense and why if if even doing that activity makes people not have a cool feeling. Why would I want to create something that's not a cool feeling? Like I love creating cool feelings. Right. I love it. Like, like when I do tailgating, I love creating a cool feeling and giving people beers and, you know, have everybody bring food and share food with people. And I really, you know, people like, 
is this, has this all been a big waste with the Texans? Nee, 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 nee. And it's like, yeah, you know, there's been some careers wasted and all that. I mean, the biggest constant in the whole time period is unlike the Oilers, the Texans allowed tailgating. And I've met some very cool people, including yourself, because we're not having this conversation if, you know, the Texans didn't exist, but right. the, the cool people are the thing. Like, you know, owners will go, coaches will go, executives will go. Houston, Texas is right here. Yep. And I don't, I don't live in Houston. Um, I'm a couple hours away, but, uh, but no, I, I wholehearted, like there are, you know, and it's, I heard so I, I cannot remember who said this uh, and I wish I could, so I could give appropriate credit, but basically Facebook is for people who used to be friends who are now strangers and Twitter is for strangers who are, who are now, you know, friends. And um, you know, that, that's what, that's what was cool about those years where, where the Astros were so terrible, there were still people that were like, I, why, why are we, it's, it's the seventh inning. Why are we doing this? It's, you know, it's, it's yeah. 11 o'clock and, and, and they're playing in, in Seattle and both these teams suck, but it, it's just that whole, like we suffered through something together. Um, and, and it made winning even that much more enjoyable yes. in, in 2017. So it really is about, you know, the community, I, I can't agree more. It's, a, it's about the community that you create um, that, that helps your enjoyment of, of anything really. I mean, you could have the most fun experience in the world. And if you're just there by yourself, uh, you know, it, it, it might not be, and I'm a raging introvert. Like the last eight months have been just, I've been preparing my whole life for this. Um, but, but still like it's, it's, it's fun to, to be able to share cool experiences with people. Uh, and, and find that, that you're contributing to, you know, someone's enjoyment of whatever it is that they're doing. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. And, you know, once the Texans get a new GM and a new coach and there's some relevant things, like if I, well, I mean, I'm, I may write something more this season. I may not, I don't know. I, I just, I just don't like saying things unless I have something to say. Right. And you that's know, a good point. I mean, uh, yeah, I, need, I, need to do I wish more of that. I wish more people were like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just I, I can't find anything. There's nothing going on with the Astros, uh, and ever and I'm I I would find myself just doom scrolling. So I just decided to stop for a few days uh, and and not do that. Um, well, I think you know, I think part of that is the nature of news, like people hanging out and being cool is not news like <laughs> right like right. if you're just you know if you're just living your life that's not news so what is news news is usually something crappy happening right and you know we have things that are really unusual and like i i think of it as the bad weird like my my view is everybody's kind of weird you know just some people hide their weirdnesses a little better than others <laughs> And that there's good weird and there's bad weird and there's ordinary weird. And I think right now, I think all of us collectively should just kind of dial down the, the obvious weird, you know, like, okay, hide some of your weird right now because it's too weird. <laughs> so, uh, you know. Yeah, that, that side yeah. pretty much sums, sums up absolutely everything. Uh, Steph, thank you so much for being the second guest on the Michael Bourne Identity. 
this is a lot of fun. And it was, it was nice to, I mean, we've, we've messaged each other a few times and it, yeah. was, it was nice to like have an actual conversation. So I appreciate it and uh, keep it up. You're, you're really the only, if there's something where I see the Texans are trending, I'm like, let me go check Steph's timeline so I can figure out what, what, well, do I, what, how much should I worry about, be mad about this or worry the, about the, it? The best, <laughs> the best explanation of what my, at least my Twitter is these days is like, well, I just need to know enough about the Texans so I don't really need to pay attention. <laughs> that's yeah, that's a really good outlook to have on pretty much everything. Yeah. So thank you so much. And uh, I appreciate you. And uh, thanks for coming on. Same, same. <laughs>